0: picks for pace presented by the bear report your number one source for chicago bears draft news analysis scouting reports
2: and more
0: hosted by alex Blethin and andrew freeman on overtime Overtime media
3: welcome to picks for pace a chicago bears draft podcast presented by the bear report my name is andrew freeman and of course i'm joined by my co-host alex bluthman Alex, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great today. Yeah, especially after that uh, that good interview we had with Tim. I came out a lot more positive about uh, Cole Komet.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way to transition into the main topic of today's episode. We're recording on Thursday, April 30th. And earlier today, we had a great conversation with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, who was able to give us some more insights in Chicago Bears' second-round pick, Cole comment. Uh, we're excited to get that for you listeners, but in the meantime, in this episode, we're also going to be continuing our recap of the 2020 NFL draft by touching on some free agency moves the Bears have also made recently after the draft, as well as highlight some of the undrafted free agent rookies that have been added to the roster. Uh, we're looking forward to get to all of that coming up soon, but first here's our interview with Tim O'Malley on the other side of our first break of the show with a word from our sponsor.
0: The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen
3: like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James
0: and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more
3: to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Uh, We're happy to be joined now by Tim O'Malley, writer for Irish Illustrated, which covers all things Notre Dame football and recruiting. Uh, Tim, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us. How are you doing
1: today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. We don't have a great day here, but, you know, all we need for quarantine is nice weather, so I'm hoping for tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I
3: agree agree with that 100%. So, yeah, we're just going to get right into this here, talking about Cole Komet, the second-round pick for the Chicago Bears, who – they come from Notre Dame. Um, and, you know, Tim, I'll start off with this. There were some mixed reactions, it seems, from Bears fans on the Cole Komet pick in the second round. Um, from your time watching Komet at college at Notre Dame, you know, did you think that was a good value for Komet for in the second round there? And uh, did you think overall for the Bears that it was a good pick for them overall here?
1: You know, I thought as it happened, it was a good value because we had talked to a few people that thought he might sneak into the front of the uh, first round. But, uh, you know, I read something J.J. Stankovitz wrote, and I used to work with him on the Notre Dame beat, so still keep in touch with him. And he just kind of pointed out, uh, for the sake of argument, the next six guys taken were awfully good values, too. Mm -hmm. After Cole Komet, when you you look at that, and a lot of them could have helped Chicago, um, Chase Claypool was one of them, and he was actually my number one prospect from Notre Dame with Komet a solid number two it's not like he's a distant number two um but I understand the need for a top tier tight end and I think Komet is that um with wide receivers of course there are hard to say it about a guy like Claypool but man they come out like five and six of him every year now that's just that's the sport the way it is um as much as I like the guy he can do other things for you Getting that top tier tight end like Komet, who is going to be a one hundred percent all in teammate, is also very helpful. Um, when you talk value, you know, first tight end off the board, you always got to wonder: could you have gotten him later? Um, that's you never know if he was going to last, though, if there was some, if there was a trade down or anything in those along mm-hmm. those lines.
4: Yeah, uh, another thing that popped up with Komet is in 2019, it was really a breakout season for him. He went from an 18, he had 162 yards and zero touchdowns up to 515 and six touchdowns in 19. And I was just curious what you th- saw throughout the season and perhaps in the off season that really caused Komet to break through this season.
1: You know, the coaches thought that was going to happen in 2018. Um, His freshman year, he played, but they had a few tight ends, and uh, that was 2017. It was a very run-heavy offense, and they just didn't throw very well, so he wasn't going to be heavily involved as a true freshman. They thought he'd break out in 18. He sprained his ankle very badly in game number two, and you just can't tell because he only missed one game. But the thing was, it was a high ankle sprain, and he played through it. And they had Alize Mack. Now, Comet's a much better tight end than Alize Mack, but they had a senior tight end that had been playing there for a few years to rely on. I think that hampered Comet's numbers. He could still make plays down the seam. Uh, he was not quite the not the player we thought he would be, but I really think it was because of the high ankle sprain that look he has a high pain threshold. If you looked at those numbers and you saw he missed six games, you would realize why he had low stats. But what he was doing was fighting through it. So I do think it's a fair argument to say that he's only a one-year college performer and probably a guy that if he came back his senior year, no one would ever doubt the value of where he was taken. Um, That's not where he is. He's a 21-year-old tight end going to play with grown men. But, uh, boy, again, he broke his collarbone in August camp, and six weeks later, he's out there playing against Georgia, and it was his first game back, and he was the best player on the field in that game.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting that you talk about, you know, the only one year of real production from Kamed, and I think that kind of leads into – you know Komet as a player you know what can the Bears expect from Komet in terms of his strengths as a player stuff that he can rely on right away in the NFL that can be kind of the bedrock of him as a player early on and then what are some of his weaknesses that he will need to clean up a little bit uh, once he transitions to the professional level and uh, get better as an overall player there
1: I think weaknesses to start out right away he will not be a NFL quality in-line blocking tight end. I think just he has to develop there still, and he would have with another year of college. But I think detached he can handle the role because he's very athletic. Um, I use the word coordinated for Komet a lot. You assume everybody's coordinated at that level. But I don't know if that's true, man. There's sometimes just great athletes. But that guy's hand-eye coordination, ability to twist in the air, get down the field. He runs like someone running down the seam. You want to see someone go down the seam. He looks totally comfortable. There's nothing mechanical great hands, great frame, good leaping ability. Um, He's a really big kid. I I shouldn't say kid at 21, but he's still, he's going to grow a little bit, I think, into that frame. I think he had, uh, has 43 receptions this year, 27 or 28 were for first downs, and that, those just weren't little three, third yard outs or anything like that. He had 23 gains of 10 yards or more, so he's a guy that'll make plays downfield as a rookie. Um, I do think if Jimmy Graham has anything left, it would help the Bears and Comet, in that Comet could almost be one B for mm-hmm. one year, and then next year he would probably—I mean, next year I think he would—he really make a make a big jump in terms of just being a number one quality top tier tight end. But I—I I think it would help his transition if he could be one B this year. Which you may or may not want to hear if you're a Chicago fan, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But if Jimmy Graham's there and he and he has anything left, like you say, and he said, any and that um, he doesn't have to be great, Jimmy Graham, because he will have Cole Komet. I just think that they could have a one-two punch um, that they definitely did not have in terms of offensive weaponry last year.
4: Yeah, with with Graham being a top six paid tight end, I hope he can give us one good year production yeah. to ease Komet <laughs> in, but we'll see. <laughs>
1: I must be I must be honest I I wasn't thinking of Cole Komet when I saw that uh transaction I was like man I forgot about that guy <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he was uh I mean he was quite a player a few years ago so you never know if if, if they can use him properly. So um
4: Cole Komet's actually he's from my hometown or now he resides in yeah, Arlington yes. Heights, Illinois and I was just wondering if you could tell us anything else about the it's he's already a good feel good story but are there any other good nuggets about him off the field or what should we expect as Bears fans, as Komet, as a person?
1: Yeah, as a person, you probably got – that's that's top notch. Uh, he was going to be a captain for sure this year for Norman if he came back. They, were, they would send out Cole Komet after losses or rough games to talk instead of quarterbacks and instead of players like that they want to protect because you can always send Cole Komet out. He can handle everything. I probably talked to Komet last year more without requesting him than any player on the team I did request because they kind of tighten the reins with uh, media at Notre Dame. And it's like, here, have Cole Komet. I just talked to Cole Komet. But it's because <laughs> you can trust Cole Komet really um, as a player, as a person to want to develop. He's not going to, uh, you know, he's, he's not looking just for that second contract. He will, as I said, he will play hurt. He will be a great locker room presence. Um, if for some reason, Jimmy Graham isn't overly welcome of having Cole Komet there, it won't matter to Cole Komet. He will still <laughs> show up and play. Um l a Mack was an exceptionally hard teammate to have, I heard, behind the scenes. Um Mack was a five star recruit a few years ago. He never played like a five star. He you know, he has, he's he's an NFL player right now. He'll, he'll stick a couple years. He's a good athlete. But I think Cole Komet as a sophomore was way more mature than l a Mack as a senior. And I I know that former tight ends coach and offensive coordinator Chip Long struggled a lot more uh trying to placate l a Mack than he ever had to do with Cole Komet. Um Comets in the line of they've had some really good prospects coming out that are also, if they're not plug and play immediately, they are definitely plug into your locker room, plug into your system, and they're going to start learning right away. He's a, he's he's top tier, a top notch probably person in, in that regard.
3: Yeah, one thing that uh, Ryan Pace, general manager of the Chicago Bears, has done throughout his tenure really as as the general manager here with the Bears is try to look for high character people first when it comes to bringing in young talent into the bears, that's something that they've really emphasized in their drafting. And it really seems like they're getting that in commit here. And, you know, one, one other interesting thing that I wanted to uh, kind of uh, touch on here with commit was he was actually a two sport athlete at Notre Dame yeah. um, playing baseball. So are there any interesting nuggets that uh, you could share with us about his baseball career? And now that he can just focus on football, do you think going forward that there's a lot of untapped potential that the Bears should be able to maybe take advantage of?
1: Uh, I, I do. I think you hit on a good point about his 2018 season, too. In addition to the injury, um, he was pretty heavily involved still in, in spring the spring practice leading up to 18. He was missing missing football practices as part of the deal with Coach Kelly and, and the baseball team where Kelly knew he didn't need to be there at all times, but he needed to save games for the baseball <laughs> team, which he did well. We thought he might come back. Um Partly because of baseball, and his brother is going to be, he was, he was going to play another year with his brother on Notre Dame, um, which is not something you get to have in every family. So, yeah, I think total focus. I mean, the baseball certainly helped him. When I say coordination and everything, I think the more you do, is it like 85% of the guys drafted play multiple sports in high school this past year? Notre Dame's had some multiple sport guys in college that surprised us with their choice. Jeff Samarja going to baseball, Pat Connaughton not going to baseball. Hmm. Uh, we never thought Komet would go to baseball. I don't think he was as good as those guys um, as a pitcher. But uh, it's it's a good point um, that you make that maybe now totally focused, which he will be on football, definitely helps a guy like Komet in his development. Also, we tend to point out at Notre Dame, when they try to make you graduate early. Um, and I think Komet would have, So there's guys for previous examples, like Jerry Tillery broke out and became a first-round pick because his senior year at Notre Dame in 2018 where they played Clemson, he basically didn't have class. He graduated. You know, he was a football player at Notre Dame. Um, It's similar now for Komet. He doesn't have anything else to worry about. I mean, he was a great student and a baseball player, and now he is a football player. And I really think you will uh, benefit from that as time passes. Um, And once again, remember, if this draft were next year, he would go much higher than that. So by the time next year rolls around, you have a first-round first draft pick tight end.
4: Yeah, the, the Bears have been missing first-round picks the past yeah. few years, so that's <laughs> good to hear.
1: <laughs> you know, there's a guy, Julian Aquara, who dropped, um, and I wondered about him dropping because if, if they had the draft last year and if he'd have come out a year early after that Cotton Bowl year, he had 50 pressures at defensive end in the Cotton Bowl season. He'd have been a low first-round. He'd have gone ahead of Tillery in the first round. So maybe Detroit got the steal of the draft because they get Julian Aquara who just happened to have to, you know, he, he broke his ankle and he, and he couldn't play the rest of the season. So you got to look at it that way sometimes with players, like just where they're drafted. You say you get commit, you know, in the, in the low 40s, and you could have maybe got him at like 53. But after touchdown number five, it might not matter anymore, right?
4: Yeah. So Notre Dame is uh, – kind of has a reputation as being one of the best colleges at producing NFL tight ends. And- Recently, you got Kyle Rudolph and Tyler Eifert, and I was just curious where you think Komet compares to them as players in terms of their play style and then also just uh, how good they were coming out of college.
1: I think it was – because Eifert was the only one to stay through his senior year and keep developing, um, Eifert was a great blocker too on the Mackey Award. I would go Eifert one, Rudolph two, and Komet not – Comet three now but commit could be rudolph i, I think cole commit rudolph had issues with blocking coming out too i think when you when you're a true junior you're just not i mean you're not as physically developed as a lot of a lot of notre dame guys i mean anthony fasano and john carlson to name other tight ends from there they played five years at notre dame you know that's you really develop as a as a blocker in that situation eifert i think was the by far the most ready he's had some some injuries um derailing his career a bit in, in the pros. But uh, when, I met, when I mentioned coordinated, that, that was a guy you just split wide and played a wide receiver, too, at Notre Dame. So he was the best one I've seen. Um, Komet's more reminiscent of Rudolph and how he uses his size and ability to get down the field. And I think if people don't think Rudolph's fast enough now, I mean, he's a he's an 11-year veteran. They all slow down after that amount of time, right, to take some beating. So Kyle, Kyle Rudolph was plenty fast coming out. I, I liken him more to Rudolph than Eifert. Um, I think when we first saw Rudolph walk on campus, you just started calling him NFL. He just looked—you just looked at the guy and like, oh my gosh, that's—and he was a five-star. I mean, sometimes that sticks in your head, right? When the five-star recruit comes in, he looks the part. He starts as a freshman, um, but by the time Komet left, he was one of those guys that, as I said, when you're around him, you're like, this guy—this is a big dude. I mean, you know, huge hands, huge frame, and I think he'll continue to grow into it.
3: Yeah, it's actually interesting when you look at uh, you know Rudolph being a good comparison for Komet. Uh, fun fact that I found you know, just kind of scrolling through Twitter the other day. Um, so not only when you look at Kyle Rudolph when he was drafted in 2011 by the Minnesota Vikings, not only was there the similarities in terms of the, the play style and the size and, uh, you know, being a tight end from Notre Dame, but, you know, not only was Rudolph was actually the first tight end drafted in that class and he was drafted at the same draft slot
1: that's, as that's Cole
3: Comet at 43. That's I
1: I remember he fell, uh, but he he missed the second half of that year with a, like a badly torn hamstring like off the bone situation so I think that's why he fell um and that launched Tyler Eifert's career by the way Eifert was a skinny redshirt freshman mm-hmm. tight end they came in and they never missed a beat but wow same draft spot and first tight end that's interesting
3: yeah I mean hopefully the stars aligned to where Komet yeah. be in a similar career as Rudolph Rudolph's been a good tight end in the NFL for yeah, yeah. quite a long time and if I I think uh, most Bears fans, fans would be very happy with that if they got that out of Komet um and then you know kind of wrapping this thing up here shifting conversation away from come now some other Notre Dame players that are on the bears to wrap up here. You know, the bears have some guys in the offensive line and Sam and Alex bars that are going to be competing for a spot on the roster in 2020 here. Um, Some offensive line spots that are up for grabs, Um, you know, from their time at Notre Dame, what would you say are, are some strengths and weaknesses of their games? And, um, do you think those guys would have a good chance being in their second years to maybe earn a roster spot? Because especially Alex Bars, a lot of Bears fans are excited about his development as a player last year, kind of they, fell out of the draft yeah. because of a knee injury or injuries in general. Um, what would you uh, say about them as players and their chances of maybe making the roster this year?
1: They should be excited about Bars. Um, when he got hurt in game five of 2018, he was the offensive MVP on that team. Uh, that was Ian Book had just started uh, taking over from Brandon Wimbush. Dexter Williams had a four-game suspension. But honestly, if Alex Bars played the whole time, you might have had a back-to-back offensive lineman be MVP. It was Quentin Nelson the year before, and mm-hmm. bars, bars wasn't as good as Nelson, obviously. Um, but Bars took a long time to develop. Um, when he was a freshman tackle, Brian Kelly tends to talk about the guys not playing and talk about how good they are. And then it took him a couple of years and I think people were really getting frustrated, but boy, as a fifth year senior captain left guard, he was outstanding. Um, just really had a mean streak about him. You never saw before very athletic kid at one point. Um, you wondered when he was a freshman, if he could play tight end for a year just to help out with blocking. So he has very good feet naturally. I think Alex bars is a great undrafted free agent pickup for the bears with Mustafer, if Mustafer sticks, he is a very smart, tough technician that is not, I think, physically really athletic enough to be a starting center in the NFL. But if you have room on the practice squad or at the end of the roster for a guy that's a locker room guy and will do all the things right in practice, it's Mustafer. Mustafer, honestly, I never – I don't think he improved his last year, which is um, – Part of the reason might be because he was flanked by Quentin Nelson and Alex Bars the previous season, um, and then he kind of kind of had to help out with the uh, new right guard and bars got hurt, so he was helping out two new guards so great leader um, I don't see him as a NFL starter at center, but there are he's one of the better guys to have at the back end of your roster, whereas I think bars could now make a move when he when he kind of gets fully removed from that from that injury
4: awesome yeah i'm I'm extremely excited about bars. It was interesting that the the Bears were moving him over to tackle last season. So it'll be interesting to see if he returns yeah, to guard this season or he's if he's, got he's playing some experience tackle. At, yeah,
1: he's got some experience at tackle. I think um, they, just the way, you know, sometimes just looking at, they had Mike McGlinchey at tackle. Um, and let's see, when he started coming up, they had uh, a couple other guys. Robert he started as a freshman. He's still there as a tackle. And he wasn't big enough to play guard. So sometimes Alex Bars moves just because – you want to get your best five on the field, and he's the best one. You know he's capable of doing many things. So it's interesting he's moving back out to tackle. I think uh, he definitely has the feet for it, and uh, I guess I know at guard there's a got to probably need about twenty extra pounds of bulk at guard in the NFL. So maybe tackle's <laughs> best for an athlete like him.
3: Yeah, you can never go wrong as an offensive lineman having that versatility to play all on the offensive line. That's how you get a long career in the NFL. Right. Right. Um. So, yeah, Tim, I want to thank you one more time uh, for hopping on the podcast here. Really interesting stuff about Cole Komet and his um, development in the NFL, and hopefully, another good pick for the Bears coming
1: up here uh, in the second round. You got a good one. And remember, by next year, he'll be a first rounder. Uh, Just (laughs) give him a little little patience. Remember, he's a true junior. I'd say I think he'll have a solid year, and then next year, you can really see some growth.
3: All right. Tim, where can they uh, find your your work at the Irish Illustrated and uh, where can they follow you on Twitter as well?
1: Yeah, we're on the 24-7 network or you can do irishillustrated.com and at Tim ND on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck.
3: And that was our interview with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Uh, Alex, what was your main takeaway from that interview? Definitely a lot of interesting stuff uh, that Tim really laid out there for us.
4: Yeah, no, that was a that was a very good interview, and I I thought it was impressive. Uh, I wasn't fully aware of the high ankle sprain situation and balancing recovering from injuries and back to back off seasons while also playing baseball at the Division One level. That that definitely would hamper your development a bit, and still be picked in the second round after fighting through that 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 does show a lot about his potential growth and upside which I hope we experience uh in these coming years uh, on the Bears football team
3: yeah I know both of us were kind of lower on this pick as a whole but you know I felt I feel personally a lot more positive about it uh coming out of that interview getting to hear Tim kind of explain Cole's journey through college you know as really Like you said, two-sport athlete, uh, dealt with injuries during his first couple years at Notre Dame, and uh, just really did not have a lot of time to develop there. So it makes me feel, uh, look forward to really his development with the Bears in his first couple years. Obviously, I think it, like most tight ends, it leaves me thinking that Komet might not contribute as much as we want him to uh, early on. But you know what, the draft is about building your team towards the future as it is as much building it towards next season. So um, I feel pretty good about the commit pick overall now after uh, hearing Tim and uh, yeah, it was pretty good stuff overall. So we're gonna have, we have some more stuff to get to though in this episode. So we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at picks for pace. So kind of switching gears here for this episode. Uh, after the draft, there were some needs that the Bears need to fill out. They had a few roster spots still available on the 90-man roster heading into training camp, and, you know, they, there are a lot of free agents available to the Bears right now. I've got to say, uh, with some of the recent moves that they have made over the past few days, uh, really makes me feel excited about uh, how this team is shaping up as a whole. Uh, as for fans that don't know, we, we're recording this episode literally right after the signing of, of Tayshawn Gibson and Ted Ginn earlier today. We're going to start with Gibson here, Alex. Uh, <laughs> this happened literally like 30 minutes or so right before we started recording here. Uh, what was your reaction to that signing?
4: Yeah, I, I saw it and I was just scrolling through Twitter. And at first I thought it was the Gibson we drafted. And then I thought it was a joke about us really needing a strong safety. But, you know, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and I was extremely happy. One thing we learned is, so Gibson, he's more of a uh, free safety, so similar to uh haha ha Clinton Dix. And that's back-to-back off-seasons where we've addressed the strong safety position with more of a center fielder, uh, ball skills type player. So that makes me think that Chuck Pagano prefers two playmakers out on the field at the same time for safety rather than a, you know, nose in the box, get a tackle type of safety. So it makes me feel better that I know it's a preference rather than kind of stumbling into the position like I thought we did with uh with haha Clinton Dix last year so I'm really high on the signing and it'll be interesting just to see all the the secondary competition that we'll have at training camp now with Deion Bush along with uh, DeAndre Houston Carson and Jordan Lucas and Special team ace, uh, Sherrick McManus. That's a lot of action going on for the backup safety jobs, and that'll make sure that we get the the top players on the roster.
3: Yeah, you got to feel really good about the, uh, the depth in the secondary right now, especially when you look at what Pace did in the draft, getting Johnson and Vildor to kind of bolster that cornerback room. And then the sign of Gibson – really solidifying that safety position next to Eddie Jackson you know I always felt like Dion Bush would be a very good fit as that third safety a guy that can come in uh, if a player gets goes down due to injury but you know we both had our questions about whether Bush was a good fit as a true starter next to Eddie Jackson and I think now that you have a legitimate starting presence next to Eddie Jackson Tayshawn Gibson who I really like as a player. I liked him for a long time. Uh, Just going down, Gibson, he's a guy that was recently released by the Houston Texans as part of Bill O'Brien, constantly changing up the culture with that roster, it seems like. But Gibson, when you look at his career as a whole, he started off as an underactive free agent with the Cleveland Browns, uh, had some very good years for them uh, over there. And then he was a key part of that Saxonville defense. Uh, back in uh, 2017 with Jacksonville Jaguars he was their team's center fielder as the free safety like we said before and I I know most Bears fans they wanted to add a true starting strong safety or more that box safety type next to Eddie Jackson but yeah it seems like Chuck Pagano you nailed it on the head there that he prefers to have two playmaking uh versatile free safety types on his defense in that secondary at safety position uh I, I have to agree with him there because when you look at the Bears roster as a whole, they have a lot of box safety types on the roster already. They didn't really have a replacement uh, for Eddie Jackson in case he went down due to injury. So not only is Gibson going to be a, another nice starter for his Bears team, but he's insurance in case Eddie Jackson goes down due to injury. That way they have a true playmaking safety still on the roster for them that can play uh, alongside another box safety type like a Dion Bush. So, I'm really high on the signing. I, I really like Tayshawn Gibson quite a bit. He had three interceptions this past year in 2019, including a in pick six. Uh, he's very good at covering tight ends in man coverage, which I think is going to be a nice asset for this defense uh, overall. Uh, yeah, just another really good signing here for Ryan Pace on this defensive side of the ball. And when you look at this defense as a whole now. They upgraded the pass rush, bringing in Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson. Uh, at that edge position they have Akeen Hicks coming back healthy hopefully uh, coming up this season you have two really fast sideline to sideline linebackers and Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan and then the upgrades they've made recently in the draft and with Gibson there in the secondary uh, this defense is absolutely loaded and I cannot wait to watch these guys go out there and play uh, in the fall
4: yeah, uh, I was gonna ask you out of the the twelve, I know it's only eleven, but the twelve defensive starters I'm including Buster Screen because slot corner is gonna play quite a bit nowadays. Who do you have as the the weakest link on the, the defense in terms of starters?
3: I don't even know. I don't even know if there is a weak link on his defense. I, I guess you could say uh maybe Jalen Johnson, just because of the fact that he's a rookie and he may need some time to develop. Maybe there's a learning curve there coming into the NFL. But as a whole, there isn't one spot in this defense that I think you can expose. I guess you could say uh, it's a really stout unit overall. There are no weak spots here. Um, it seems like every position you look, there's a really good player. Um, you know, playing at that spot. And uh, when you compare this defense to the 28 defense, I, I think they might be just as good, if not better, just because of the fact that that pass rush with Robert Quinn uh, was upgraded to a degree that it was. So, uh, yeah, this defense, really good all-around unit. But the Bears also made an uh, addition on the offensive side of the ball as well, getting Ted Ginn, a wide receiver who played for the New Orleans Saints the last three years. Even though Ginn's 35 years old, Alex, he can still get it done with his speed. He's a pure speed threat. Another guy added to this wide receiving core. Along with Darnell Mooney, who the Bears drafted in the fifth round, uh, to really add some more juice to this offense, which I think they definitely needed after last season.
4: Yeah, I I loved that. And uh I'm sure it's a cheap deal. And Kevin Fishbane, he tweeted that again last year. Not only did he have 30 catches for 421 yards, which that's a that's a solid year for a for a depth wide receiver, but also, he had the same amount of 40 yard receptions as the entire Bears offense in 2019. So just that explosive play is something the Bears have been missing. And not only is he good depth for us, and he could be our wide receiver three or four, depending on if we have a breakout from some of the younger guys. But Ted Ginn, people are saying he's broken down or he's a corpse of his former self, but out of all the wide receivers on the Saints, Ted Ginn played the second highest percentage of snaps. And the Saints unit, that's a good unit. So I feel extremely confident in adding him as a depth wide receiver for the Bears.
3: Yeah, and I think his experience in the NFL will be invaluable, I think, to uh, Darnell Mooney as well as a guy that maybe could mentor him for a year. We know that uh, you know Matt Nagy, for whatever reason, seems like, he doesn't like throwing his rookies wide receivers out there right away in their first season. Uh, they might be a similar thing with Darnell Mooney. They might want to sit him a year and let him learn the offense and get used to the NFL game first before throwing him out there as their deep threat for this offense. And uh, again, can really play that role really well for this team. Uh, really like the signing as a whole. And he, again, I think he completes this receiving core, which is looking very solid. All around, You have Allen Robinson as your pure number one wide receiver, possession guy on third down, a big target in the red zone for you. You have Anthony Miller in the slot, just a great route runner, can separate, uh, get easy catches over the middle for your quarterback there. Uh, you have Riley Ridley, he's a very good route runner off the bench, assumingly, and then you have a gadget guy in Cordell Patterson who you can use in a bunch of different ways, and now again that deep deep threat, that speed guy, uh, really completes his receiving core as a whole, and they have some young depth behind them. I really like what they have there on the offensive side of the ball, upgrading that unit as a whole. Um, There are some other positions, though, that need to be addressed, though, that we're going to talk about here uh, with the Bears real quick. Uh, You know, we're going to start with the edge position, even though the Bears drafted Travis Gibson in the fifth round of this draft. You know, Alex, I still think you can never have too many pass rushers. And, you know, Gibson, he's a raw player, so he's not a guy that I, you know, even though I like the pick, I'm not sure I feel comfortable with him you know, playing a big role right away, so they might need. There might be a need there to maybe add a third guy uh, to maybe rush the passer to rotate with Ro, uh Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn. Uh, so, who's one guy that you're look, looking out for that's available right now that uh, could be an option for the Bears?
4: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I like Gibson as a pick, and I think he'll develop. But Arcavius Mingo, he's not much of a rusher, and Isaiah Irving, he he really can't be our third option out there in terms of getting after the passer from an edge position so uh, a couple names that I floated out were uh, Marcus Golden who I know you'll be covering but also uh, Clay Matthews has been a, a hot topic on this podcast and he's the guy who I don't think he's capable of being a starter in the NFL especially at his age but I do think he would be a great rotational player but now that we brought in Gibson, I I don't even know if we need the amount of snaps that someone like Clay Matthews could give us, but if we want to go even older than Clay Matthews, believe it or not, uh Terrell Suggs. I mean, he has he has the Pagano ties and he was relatively efficient while he was on the field and bring him in as a veteran to guys like Gibson and also just to help spell uh our current pass rushers when they get tired. I think he would be not only a, an effective locker room guy and uh, a leader and teacher, I think he. I think he could also help the Bears win games in 2019 or
3: 2020. Yeah, Suggs could be a very good addition, I think, for cheap and, and uh, for this team this year. If if he does decide to come back and play, I think Suggs would want to play for a, a team that's contending. So maybe he's the type of guy. If the Bears are playing well, well into the season next year, that maybe Suggs can. Um, Maybe they can get him for a cheap deal later on in the year to be another situational pass rusher to add to the rotation. Uh, But in terms of a guy that could come in right away and contribute, yeah, I was going to say Marcus Golden is a guy that I've been kind of eyeing. He played for the uh, New York Giants last year had 10 sacks for them. For whatever reason, just hasn't had a market developed for him uh, throughout free agency. The the Giants actually put a, I think it was an unrestricted free agent tender on Golden, I think is what it's called. So basically – uh it, this this tender is like rarely used uh, and for whatever reason the giants placed it on golden and basically from my understanding of it is that golden it's basically the tender is that if he doesn't sign with another team uh prior to June 22nd i think is the deadline he would come back to the giants in a one year four and 2.25 million dollar deal and so likely what that would mean is that uh, if Marcus Golden is going to go anywhere, it's probably going to have to be for around $5 million on a one-year deal at least to uh, get into the Bears. And if the Bears do sign him, it would cost them a six-round pick um, to in order to bring him in. But, you know, for the Bears, that's not really a huge deal, I think, because they are in line to get two to three uh, six-round compensatory picks next season. So I, I think, you know, for me, Alex, that might be worth it to get a guy like Marcus Golden who. Has dealt with injuries before, but when he's on the field, he's a very productive pass rusher, and he was the number one guy for the Giants last season off the edge. And imagine what he can do with the number as the number three guy next to Khalil Mack and, and Robert Quinn. Uh, that would make the, uh, an already devastating pass rush even scarier. I think.
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And he was extremely successful last year. And as you're saying, the the comp pick. It's funny because the putting the tender on him makes him eligible for comp picks. You'd think that the Giants were trying to to acquire another pick perhaps for Golden leaving, but actually they're well beyond uh, recovering a comp pick. So that makes you think that it's not about uh, receiving a comp pick. It's more so trying to lower Golden's market and hope that he would sign with the Giants. So the Giants are currently trying to clear up some cap space. So perhaps Golden is in their plans and they're just trying to buy themselves some time and uh, get rid of some bidders.
3: Yeah, that, that could definitely be the case. You know, the Giants need to upgrade their pass rush as well. So uh, I think uh, in the case of the Bears, if they go after a guy like Golden, it would be a case where the rich are getting richer in that aspect. But uh, you can never have too many pass rushers. So we'll see how his market turns out for him. Another position that the Bears could address is offensive guard. You know, other than bringing in Jermaine Ifebi, they really haven't done much in this offseason to uh, address that starting right guard position. Uh, They drafted two guys in the seventh round that we talked about in our last episode. But, you know, as seventh rounders, those are guys that you're not really expecting to make the roster. If one of them can be on the practice squad for you or or be a good depth player for you, you know, that's – a pretty good pick but in the seventh round you're not really expecting them to be a day one starter so in terms of a day one starter that you could think could come in and be an upgrade uh what's one name that is on your radar as of right now
4: yeah uh josh Klein. so he's uh he's a hometown kid and we've been acquiring those guys this off season so from hoffman estates he uh he started 77 games at guard for the patriots titans and vikings so he is a solid, proven NFL starter, and back-to-back off seasons in 2018 and 2019 with the Vikings and the Titans, uh, Klein signed a 26 million dollar deal and a 19 or and a 16 million dollar deal, and both times he started all season long and then got cut at the conclusion of the season. So it seems like Klein is he's just good enough to to start and receive a big deal, but not really. Uh, performing well enough to keep it so that could end up helping the Bears a lot they could probably bring him in at around three million dollars and plug and play in that right guard and that that's all you can ask for right now is just a solid depth starter who ideally comes in and starts at right guard but worst case scenario he he provides a lot of competition for Jermaine Jermaine Afidi at right guard and perhaps uh, Alec Bars might move back to right guard and join in on that competition
3: yeah, that, that was something actually Tim O'Malley talked about a little bit in terms of Alex Bars being a guy that could be someone that could step up for the Bears this season, maybe as a potential starter for them. He was a guy that was a very good player in Notre Dame, injuries kind of slowed him down and uh, caused him to drop out of the draft and completely, which helped out for the Bears. Um, so it's interesting to see whether he can be anything for this offensive line, but Like you said, adding more competition to that unit is never a bad thing. Uh, One player that is at the top of my list right now at that right guard position is Keleche Osemele. Uh, He's a former All-Pro guard for the Baltimore Ravens, and as well as a Pro Bowler with the Oakland Raiders a few years ago, but he's dealt with a lot of injuries over the past couple seasons, and uh, it's really a question of whether he's able to remain healthy. He's 31 years old, and uh, maybe he's on the decline of his career a little bit, but if he's healthy, he's a guy that is a really powerful run blocker, very stout in pass protection as a whole. And he's a guy that because of what's going on with uh, COVID-19, you know, a lot of NFL teams aren't going to be able to check him out medically and see how healthy he is. So you might be someone that's added closer to training camp as a guy that once teams are able to have more freedom to get their doctors to check in on these free agents a little bit, um, He's a guy that can come and be added to the roster later on in the, uh, in the uh, off season, off season period. And you know, he could be a guy that could be a starter for this team right away and be an upgrade at starter if he's healthy. So I'm not sure what his market will be at this point. I'm I'm guessing somewhere between three to 5 million on a one to two year deal possibly, but Osama is a guy that he's very good when he's healthy. And I, I hope he can find a team this, this upcoming season, hopefully with the bears, but um, yeah he's a guy that is at the, at the top of my radar as of right now and then the Bears moving on to another position that they could address uh, you know one thing they haven't really addressed so far is the running back position uh, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are the top two guys we're assuming that Cordell Patterson will get some reps at running back but behind them it's Ryan Null and not really much else so uh, who's a veteran running back on the, on the market for you that you think could come in and kind of be a complimentary back or maybe just some good solid depth uh, behind Ava Montgomery in, in case he does get injured.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, while the signing didn't exactly work out uh, the way I was looking for the compliment for Cone and Montgomery was who they ended up with last year. And that was uh, Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, obviously he ended up getting cut mid-season and able t- – in order to secure that fourth round comp pick for Adrian Amos that was in the future traded for uh, Nick Foles. But uh, the guy came along with was Isaiah Crowell. Um, He turns 28 this season, missed all of 2019 with a torn Achilles. So that's a big question mark. So obviously this signing only works if we are able to, to get confirmation that he's in good health and he still has that burst of speed because what the difference maker for Crowell is, is he just runs really hard. Um, he, he picks up a lot of extra yards after contact. And that's, that's what really matters for these uh, depth running backs who won't get as many touches. Not only can he run hard and kind of provide as that thumper, but he's a decent pass catcher in, in his last two seasons. And uh 2018 and 2017 with the Jets and also the Browns he he did have a, a couple of receptions per game and in both scenarios they had uh, more of a pass catching sidekick alongside him so any catch that he got just shows that he has some versatility and that's something else that you'd value in case uh, someone like David Montgomery went down with injury.
3: Yeah, Correll with you know the Achilles is uh, that's a tough injury to come back from, especially for a running back. So hopefully he's a guy that can get back healthy and go back to uh, to top speed. Hopefully, but you know one player on my radar who's also coming off of an injury uh, is Lamar Miller coming off of a ACL injury that he suffered early in preseason last year. You know Miller, who's a guy who signed a big contract, the Houston Texans uh, clearly wasn't a good fit as their running back one lead back in Houston. Uh, for the first couple of years of that deal. He's a guy who is much better off on limited carries because he's got very good speed as a running back, and he's got receiving versatility. So he's a guy that uh, would be a very good complement, I think, to David Montgomery out of the backfield is more of a third down type of back or a rotational type of back to add you know, a little bit of a different look for defenses because David Montgomery is more of that power back inside zone guy who uh, can break tackles. Uh, in a phone booth for this team and pick up tough yards. Miller is more of that home run hitter at running back that you want to see. So he has a relationship with new offensive coordinator Bill Lazor of the Bears from their time together in Miami and I see him as a vet minimum type of guy they bring in uh, just to add some more depth to the running back room. That's really what they need right now some guys to just have some insurance in case Dave Montgomery goes down because once Montgomery goes down for an extended period of time they really don't have anybody uh, behind him that can and take a bunch of carries on their backs, so to speak. So, um, yeah, Mark Miller's a guy for me that could be a good fit for this team as a whole.
4: Yeah, I, I just don't want to see a situation where Montgomery goes down for even a game or two, and you have Ryan Nall as your starting running back, because on the the teams already have a, a strong idea that the Bears are going to be throwing the ball most times, and. It'd be even higher with Ryan Nall as the, the lead back in the backfield.
3: Yeah, Ryan Nall starting for the Bears at any point is definitely not ideal, <laughs> I'd say. Um, looking at inside linebacker, the last position I think could be addressed here before moving on. Uh, yeah, even though the Bears have a pretty good duo at with Roquan Smith and Dane Trevathan at inside linebacker, they did lose some depth in this offseason like we talked about quite a bit, losing Nick Kukowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis so who's a guy that can come in for you that could provide some you know special teams versatility as well as a guy who could be that third inside linebacker the first guy off the bench in case Trebathan goes down with an injury or Roquan goes down for an injury
4: yeah the the guy I went with was Mark Barron Uh, he was with the Steelers this year but Barron he was uh, taken seventh overall in the 2012 draft he's Kind of one of those multi-position guys that everyone covets, uh, but gone wrong. I mean, I shouldn't say he'd gone wrong, but he's a good NFL player. He started 102 of his 119 games, but the issue was he just didn't really have a set position. He he bounced between a uh, strong safety to outside linebacker to inside linebacker. And uh, one concern I have with Barron is it, he's been in the league for a long time and he started 102 games so even though he'll be a cheap signing for depth I'm just not sure his willingness to contribute on special teams. so that's something that I usually look for in a backup linebacker and we you wouldn't get it with Barron unless uh he's still able to at his age but I'm not sure and another issue with Barron is his fit uh he's more of a 4-3 outside linebacker but His covering abilities would be extremely valuable in this Bears defense, especially with um, uh, Mac and Quinn not exactly being uh, all-world pass defenders. Mm -hmm. So having a guy like Barron to uh, come in and really help in coverage is something that could be extremely valuable. So Barron's a guy who, as long as he's cheap, and if we can get special teams contributors from different men on the 53-man roster, I think he'd be a great signing.
3: Yeah, I've always liked Mark Barron as a player. Uh, he, had some time, he had some good years with the Rams as well when they converted him to linebacker. Uh, yeah, as a guy who can be a third linebacker off the bench, you know, he's a very solid find, I would think, especially if the price is right. Uh, for me, I went with the kind of a similar path to you as a guy uh, in Darren Lee, who was a former bust as a first-round pick uh, back in the day. I think it was like four or five years ago, I would, I would have to think, with the uh, New York Jets. Uh, just really hasn't had his career work out so far. He spent some time with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He was traded there in the offseason. He was expected to compete for a starting position, but towards the end of the year, he started to get phased out of the defense entirely and was inactive, actually, in the Super Bowl this past year. Um, He's the type of guy that could be a reclamation project, I think, for his coaching staff, though, because when you look at him, he's got very good athleticism and coverage ability for a linebacker. And I think he'd really benefit from the Bears coaching staff, who did an excellent job developing Kevin Pierre-Lewis last year, and especially Nick Kukowski last season. Uh, They seemed to get a lot out of Kukowski in coverage when, you know, the first three years of his career, the biggest concern of Nick Kukowski was that he wasn't a good coverage. He was a liability in coverage, and that certainly wasn't the case this past season. So I think Darren Lee is one of those guys who could have a high upside as a backup for this team and if he's willing to contribute on special teams that's really the main uh main thing for me here is if he's a guy that's gonna you know really want to contribute at that aspect of the field like kind of similar to mark Barron. uh he could be a very nice find i think as a vet minimum type of player very similar to uh kevin pierre lewis was last year
4: yeah and kevin pierre lewis while well, nick kwikowski got most of the hype for stepping in and performing and i think that's more so due to his ability to get after the quarterback and some of the big-time sacks he had. But I'd argue that Kevin Pierre-Lewis played almost as well as Kwiatkowski did when he subbed in.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of credit has to go to the coaching staff. Their linebacker's coach there, Chuck Pagano's the defensive coordinator, putting those guys in the right position. and uh, That could be something that could be beneficial for Darren Lee if he's looking to uh, maybe prolong his career and get back on his feet a little bit as a player. So. Yeah, those are some of the free agent targets we've been thinking about here after the draft. Uh, We're going to take our final break of the show coming up here and talk about some of the UDFAs that the Bears signed and kind of give a preview for those guys going into uh, uh, this offseason period. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. So moving on here to our final topic, Alex, we're going to talk about uh, some of the UDFAs that the Bears were able to add after the draft, you know, not only did the Bears have seven draft picks and uh, seven rookies going in from the draft, but after the draft they were able to get 11 new undrafted free agents onto this roster to compete for spots, hopefully on the practice squad or at the bottom of the depth chart for this team as undrafted rookies. So, Alex, you know, they, they have 11 guys here. Uh, just to give us a rundown of who the Bears signed to hopefully try to get a spot on this roster going forward for 2020.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll just run through them quick. And we were just talking about the the free agents that we have. But, you know, the Bears are a little tight on cap. So we might need to grab a contributor or two from the UDFA process. So guys like uh, Lacal London, defensive lineman out of West Illinois. Dieter Easelin from Yale, uh, offensive lineman. We got a tackle from LSU, Badara Trao. Uh, running back out of Oregon State, Artavis Pierce. Buffalo, linebacker, if that might sound familiar. Last name Mack, first name Ladarius. Uh, Often seen on Khalil's Instagram stories doing (laughs) push-ups for losing to Khalil in shooting contests. Trayvon McSwain, defensive lineman out of Duke. Uh, Tight end from Kentucky, Ahmad Wagner. Rashad Smith, linebacker from FAU. And Napoleon Maxwell, running back from FIU. So, yeah, who are your uh your – let's go with your top two or top two most interesting prospects out of those two.
3: Yeah, well, I think we got to talk about Darius Mack first. You know, being the brother of Khalil Mack, very interesting that the Bears were able to pick him off in the uh, undrafted free agent uh, process there. It kind of strikes to me that this is kind of like a favor out to Khalil Mack It's kind of like reaching out and saying like, hey, we got your back as – you know, as our franchise player, uh, we're going to give your brother a shot to make the roster. Is that, is that kind of how you're seeing that as well?
4: Yeah, at first I was a little uh, kind of pushed away by the the thought of it, but then I learned that he didn't really start playing football until late in his career, and as, as a senior this season, after only two years of college football, he, he put up seven sacks and 11 tackles for loss, so maybe on the practice squad he's able to develop as something maybe he doesn't make the practice squad but I'm interested to see what he does
3: yeah he's a guy who played edge rusher at Buffalo but he doesn't really have that prototypical size that's probably why he went undrafted Uh, he's only six feet tall so he's not as as tall or as lengthy as his brother but he looks very similar I think when you watch when I when you watch him uh, bend at the top of his rush and actually go after the quarterback. He has that, that strip sack move that uh, Khalil Mack has mastered in the NFL level. Plays very similarly, I think, once he gets to the quarterback. Right now, he's a guy that relies purely on his athleticism. He's very good in space. Um, he might be someone that can transition maybe to inside off-ball linebacker if he can't cut it at outside linebacker, just because of the fact that you know if you're going to last on the outside, you need that length to be able to hold up um against the run and set the edge and uh you know actually be able to go up against offensive tackles that are you know 6'8 with 36 inch arms he doesn't really have the length to do that so he's somebody that is an interesting project I think uh in terms of the athleticism there a lot to work with there it's very interesting that you know they got two brothers now on the team on that defense I think it's gonna be very fun to uh keep track of during training camp during the preseason um but yeah, I think I see this more as a, a favor to Khalil Mack as their franchise player. But Mac does have Ladarius Mack does have some potential that I like. And I think he's a guy that could find a spot on the practice squad and maybe he can develop into something as a special team or down the road. So very, very interesting there. Um and yeah, and then one guy that I really like a part of this undrafted free agent class for the Bears is uh Dieter Islein. i I think I'm pronouncing that right, but not too sure there, but he's an offensive guard from Yale. Um, you know, I haven't really been able to watch a lot of film of him, but there is a 15-minute or so highlight video from his last season at Yale, and it's literally just 15 minutes straight of him just pancaking people and just driving them in the ground. And, you know, it's, <laughs> he's not the greatest athlete in the world. Even for, you know, a, a guy who played at a small school, you could tell that he wasn't the greatest athlete out there. But, man, this guy is mean, he's nasty, and he is just looking to play dirty and drive guys into the ground every single time, uh, every single snap. It looks like he's trying to just get guys on the ground. You watch him in pass protection, if he's got no one to block, he's going to find someone else to block and help out a teammate. And he, he delivered a lot of uh, – someone called them cheap shots, I guess, to unsuspecting pass rushers. But, you know, he, he's a guy – he brings a tough mindset and – He absolutely abused uh, smaller defensive linemen at his level of competition playing at Yale. So he's a guy that uh, I'm very excited to see whether he can find a spot on the practice squad, uh, add some more toughness to this offensive line in the interior there. And who knows, maybe if he can, uh, you know, work on some technical things and uh, get in the NFL training room and uh, add some mobility to his game. Maybe he's a guy that could develop into a solid backup for this team down the line. Uh, he's definitely got a future, I think, if if he can find a spot as a run blocker. He he is an a- excellent run blocker from what I've seen. And uh, he's a guy that I'm really interested in uh, seeing how he does in preseason.
4: Yeah, a guy that I'm looking forward to watching is someone I actually I watched a lot Uh, from 2015 to 2018, but not much in 2019. And that's uh, Ahmad Wagner out of Kentucky. So he was actually a starting forward on Iowa's basketball team and then transferred to Kentucky because uh, he wanted to switch to football, which is crazy to going from starting some games in the Big Ten to starting games in the SEC, in football, that's that's unheard of, and that just shows the the type of athlete he is. He didn't have the most productive, 2019 with Kentucky, which, as you'd expect, after switching positions and sports, but I really do think that he could develop into something. He was a former state champion 100 meter dash for the state of Ohio in high school, so he's got the athleticism to play basketball he's got the speed to be a sprinter and now he's switching switched to wide receiver and now with the Bears he's switching to tight end I mean he's 100% a project and won't be seeing a field for two years at least but put him on the practice squad and see if you can make something out of him because if he could put on some pounds and maybe learn to block he could be an actual NFL player which is, which is funny to hear out of a former Iowa basketball player
3: yeah, I, I, who knows? Another basketball player uh, head to this roster at tight end for Ryan Pace. He seems to love those uh, converted basketball players project guys at the bottom of the roster. But yeah, I like Wagner's upside, very good athlete. I'm really interested in seeing how he can do. Um, is there another player that you're looking at that could be uh, a guy that can maybe sneak onto this roster that you think?
4: Yeah, uh, the other guy I'm going to go with is actually the person that I would bet has the highest odds of making the team, and that's Artavis Pierce. Uh, he's a uh, running back out of Oregon State. He actually used to be Ryan Nall's backup, believe it or not. So there's some ties there, but I mean, he was a a very productive college running back, and he averaged 5.8 yards per carry. That's that's nothing crazy, but that's extremely productive on a mediocre offensive line. And that's, that's someone I'd like to see uh, get some shots at that uh, running back position. If, if we don't bring in a veteran, I would not be surprised. I actually would expect for uh, Pierce to beat out Ryan Nall for that third running back position.
3: Yeah. I was able to watch a little bit of Pierce um, after I found out that he got signed by the bears, didn't know anything about him, uh, before the draft or anything like that, but you go back and watch some of his games and he's got very good speed. Once he gets into the open field, he's not going to make too many guys miss. uh, Doesn't really have the best elusiveness in the world. And he's not a guy who's going to break many tackles, but if you block the play correctly, he's a guy that can go all the way for you because he does have very good open field speed and he's got some receiving versatility as well. So uh, that's another good sign that if he can, you know, impress coaches in in training camp, he can make the roster because, Matt Nagy loves his running backs to have that receiving versatility in his offense. So, Pierce, he's a guy that is very interesting. He's going to be on my radar. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he earns a roster spot over Ryan Null just because of the fact that he adds more explosiveness to this offense. And, you know, we've seen with some of the free agent signings that they got with Ted Ginn and Drett and Darnell Moody that finding more explosive, speedy players in offense is something that they are emphasizing, it seems like, over the past couple of days or so, over the past week
4: yeah no, he's he's someone that I think can make it. and I feel like every team has to have a, a couple of UDFAs still in, and he's he's the best bet for me, and it'll be interesting to see if we are able to pick any other ones from that group.
3: yeah, I agree one hundred percent. These guys are you know considered long shots, I guess, but it's always a good story to get uh, UDFAs on your team to be contributors for a team. I mean you look at some of the UDFAs for the Bears in the past. You know, Ray Robinson-Harris is still on the roster, uh, still making an impact for this team. Bryce Callahan got a nice uh, contract from the Denver Broncos after being a good player, good slot cornerback for this team for a few years. So there is precedent with the Bears finding these gems as their UDFAs and the undrafted free agents here. So hopefully one or two of these guys can uh, respond to the roster and have a nice career for themselves in the NFL. Uh, so with that, we're going to wrap up here for this episode of Picks for Pace. Uh, Thanks you. Thank you once again, Bears fans and draft enthusiasts, the likes, for tuning in. We want to thank Tim O'Malley once again uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, very good stuff there. Finding out some more stuff about Cole a player. Uh, yeah, we look forward to just adding more draft content, kind of recapping this 2020 NFL draft over the next couple weeks or so. We have some more interviews lined up, hopefully. Uh, to discuss some of these other prospects that the Bears drafted. And we're going to go over some of the other teams in the NFC North in terms of who they got in their drafts. I think both of us are ready to rip into the Green Bay Packers draft, I I think for sure.
4: (laughs) Couldn't agree more.
3: And, yeah, before wrapping up here, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace. And, yeah, thanks for listening.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.